An Inconvenient Acquaintance by Helen Berkeley. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kelly Taylor. www.tla.wapshot.org. An Inconvenient Acquaintance. Mr. Lorimer is not at home, sir, replied a rosy cheeked Irish girl to the query of an individual in a shabby brown coat and strampless pantaloons that disclosed feet paired but not matched who stood on the stoop of one of the most elegant mansions in bond street of course not my dear mr lorimer is never at home but mrs lorimer is home and miss lorimer can't be out at this early hour mrs lorimer is engaged and so is miss lorimer pertinaciously replied the girl for she recognized a certain leering smile about the thin mouth and a shrewd wink of the grey lynx eye against the owner of which she had seen the waiter more than once close the door you've a fine bloom my dear a fine bloom you'd better show me to mrs lorimer or i shall have to find my own way mrs lorimer is engaged sir you'd better call again engaged is she said mr badger deliberately placing himself in a more comfortable leaning position against the door call again eh he slowly added casting around a few furtive glances as though he were seeking a more accustomed passport to the lady's presence whose child is that mrs lorimer's the girl nodded come here my pretty little child here's something for you hallooed he to a red-haired young urchin whose begrimed face was inquiring protruding from behind door here's something for you and he drew from his capacious pockets a handful of prunes and peanuts and held it coaxingly towards the child the boy at first drew back and then unable to withstand the temptation bashfully approached grasped the offered treasure and would have made his escape but mr badger caught one of his arms where's your mamma little man here's another handful ma's in the back parlor clearing the breakfast things well tell her there's a gentleman wants to see her and i'll try what else i can find in my back pocket for you away ran the child towards the back parlor the girl let go of the door to stop him. Mr. Badger seized that opportunity to step in the house, following as closely on the fugitive's heels as though he were quite at home in such pursuit. He entered the parlor just as the boy cried, Ma, somebody wants to see you. Mr. Badger bowed in the decorous, but now unfortunately obsolete, style of Louis Keene's nobody could have mistaken the glance of marked admiration with which he surveyed the fine person of the lady standing at the head of a disordered breakfast-table a small swab was in her delicate hand she was busily engaged in washing french china cups the lady coloured hastily drew her sleeve over a remarkably white arm 
dried her hands and rather haughtily demanded to what circumstances she was indebted for the visit mr badger bowed again as though he felt himself complimented the lady said your ladyship was engaged but i knew i should be no disturbance to your ladyship and this beautiful boy what a lovely face he has got tenderly stroking the child's flame-coloured hair here the mother's countenance relaxed into a half-smile and she pushed a chair towards her guest your ladyship's child i presume resembles you vastly else i should have supposed your ladyship too young to be his mother mrs lorimere this time smiled positively and replied in a gentle tone my only son sir indeed a noble boy what a head you've heard of phrenology must take him to fowler the phrenology man shouldn't wonder if he told you this child stood a chance of being president of the united states remarkable head shouldn't wonder at all myself at seeing him president great country this great country take a seat sir thank you your ladyship thank you don't care if i do pretty carpet you have on the floor came from chester's all the house furnished with the same that puts me in mind of business fact is your ladyship i called to see if i couldn't get mr lorimer by the by the boy looks a little like him at the moment got his dashing air to a t i was saying your ladyship i want to get mr lorimer to settle about this very carpet chester's growing impatient indeed sir i thought the carpet was paid for long ago oh no your ladyship a slight mistake those china cups too pretty pattern aren't they came from drummers i've got a small demand for them you surprise me i chose the china myself and am almost sure it was paid for at the time slight mistake your ladyship nothing more now if i could get your ladyship just to settle the case before mr lorimer and persuade him to give me a check for these things i should esteem it a great favour i certainly shall sir i am very much mortified to hear that the bill has stood so long when shall i come again your ladyship this afternoon if you please we dine at half-past three mr lorimer is always home to dinner i shall speak to him without fail much obliged to you your ladyship chester and co can't wait nor drummer neither i'll call this afternoon here are more prunes for you sonny what an eye he has got his father's eye just the eye for a great man i'll call it half-past three your ladyship with these words mr badger bowed himself backwards out of the room as he limpingly ran down the steps with a habitual chuckle which denoted particular satisfaction he encountered one of his acquaintances hey brinsley how are you getting on my good fella what badger is that you thank fortune i'm getting on so well i'm not afraid of meeting you in the streets that's what i call eloquent and explicit do you notice what an elegant house i came out of been paying a visit to one of the loveliest women in new york great country this great country mrs lorimer you've got an account against her husband i suppose but well, what did you go after the wife for 
that's a peculiarity of mine i like talking to handsome women there's nothing like it in creation i never trouble the husbands much till i see what i can do th with them through the wives nothing like getting a woman to help carry on a suit against her husband i collect more bad debts from such pleading than any other nothing men hate like having the women know their affairs and having them worry them into paying their debts great country this are the women then always so anxious to pay to be sure sweet creatures most of them have got conscious enough to make up the lack in their husbands hearts too i've got a receipt of my own for getting at women's hearts who is this lorimer lorimer why he's a wall street broker a man who's made a little money by speculating lost six times as much he ever made and has got the reputation of being worth all he made and lost together this because he lives in a large house and owes large sums to half the shopkeepers in new york great country this great country is there any hope of him paying he'll pay me every stiver you'll see everybody pays me i lay my plans to suit my people don't catch sparrows and hawks in the same net lorimer's father was a tailor the old man was worth a mint of money and bought nothing with it but pride he died and the children inherited his pride and got none of his money young lorimer is turning a cold shoulder upon all of his friends and trying to get into fashionable society his supposed wealth has gathered a troop of gay hangers-on like wasp around a beehive around him nothing he dreads so much as being cut by them now you see but i can't tell you into my plans the train's well laid trust me for that what an elegant young man that is walking in front of us i wonder who that is that by the cut of his coat that must be bill flashing an acquaintance of mine he's paying his addresses to a young woman with him a fortune i hear what an air she has i don't doubt she's pretty excuse me dear fellow i have a bill in my pocket for a hundred and fifty dollars which my friend flashing owes to his livery-keeper i'll join him what not when he's walking with a lady to be sure why not that's the very time to make an impression besides i want to get a good look at her ladyship if i get an answer from him i'll join your father down mr badger withdrew his arm from brinsley's and a few limping steps forward very unceremoniously placed the disengaged member within that of the astonished young fop mr badger took no notice of the gentleman's discomposure but staring at the young lady made one of his profound and graceful salutations mr brinsley purposefully passed them to enjoy the troubled look of the assailed young gentleman the confusion of the bell and the truly delightful ease and self-possessed grace of mr badger mr brinsley walked a half-dozen blocks before his friend joined him well badger have you dropped your prey only given the fish a little of the line and the, with the bait in his mouth flashing promise to see me to-morrow and fork out the shiners great country this great country 
tried to put it off a week, but I kept close hold of his arms and looked at the girl as much as to say, what a fool he takes me for. His tight coat must have grown uncomfortable just then, so I should think from his fidgeting. Sweet girl she was, looked me from head to foot, all the women look at me. Nothing I like so well as a woman's eye. Great country, this. Finest women in the world. Where are you going to go now? To Wall Street. We are almost there. This is just the hour I know I shall catch a particular friend of mine with all his cronies around him. He'll have to shell out this time, or I shall take up my quarters in his offices the rest of the day. I took lodgings once in the same house when I had a large debt to collect from him. I followed him around like a shadow. He couldn't turn without seeing me. He had to pay at last. Said he felt as if he was releasing his soul from old Nick. Here we are. Goodbye. I shall be engaged for an hour or two. Goodbye. Success to you. Mr. Badger entered the office. It was filled with persons busily engaged in conversation. Several of the group recognized him and looked somewhat inclined to get out of his way. Very good-naturedly thrusting out his hand to each in turn, he generously dealt round a few hearty handshakes. He then put his head over the shoulder of a venerable-looking gentleman, whose back was turned and cried out, "'Hey, Mr. Cash, my good sir, how do you do? Delighted to see you. It's with you I want to speak.' "'What? Old Clovenhoof? Is that you? Here again? Now I'll make a bargain with you. I'll pay you that bill and give you ten dollars to boot if you promise never to shut out the sunlight from these doors again, and never take another bill against me in your life.' Let any other man do it, but I can't stand your mode of proceeding. Done! Down with the dust! I'll never take another bill against you as long as I live. Great country, this. Great country. There it is. Now, the next time I meet you, I shall be saved from the sin of wishing you had a black cap drawn over your face. Badger took the money, gave his usual chuckle, bowed with the slight quick bow he kept in reserve for the male portion of the species and hobbled out of the office muttering that's a man's a gentleman he pays proper tribute to my talents i'll never collect another bill against him as long as i live gray country this gray country we shall not follow mr badger in his morning visits but take leave of him until a quarter past three. That hour found him once more on the steps of Mr. Lorimer's mansion. His loud ring this time was answered by the waiter. The man's half-uttered, Mr. Lorimer is out, was interrupted by Mr. Badger. I have an appointment with Mrs. Lorimer, and pushing by the disconcerted attendant, he entered the drawing-room. Mrs. Lorimer, dressed in the richest attire, was sitting upon the sofa. She hardly noticed Mr. Badger's entrance. Her eyes looked red, and there was a crimson spot on her cheek that betokened as much anger as grief. 
Mr. Badger gallantly sat himself beside her, stretched out his better foot foremost, and, in an insinuatingly sympathizing tone, feared she was unwell. "'Thank you, sir. I am quite well.' "'Your ladyship's beautiful little boy ill, perhaps?' "'No,' said the mother more courteously. "'He is well.' "'Mr. Lorimer not come home yet, your ladyship?' "'Mr. Lorimer dines out. He has just left me.' "'Ah, indeed. Suppose he'll be home to tea. I ain't much engaged this afternoon. I could wait.' The lady gave him a supplicating glance and drew a deep sigh. He did not say when he would come back. He may not return until late at night. Here, Mrs. Lorimer showed an evident desire to sob. Don't be distressed, your ladyship. I don't mind waiting at all, said he in a peculiarly tender tone. Or perhaps I'll call again tomorrow. Be so good as to remind Mr. L. tonight and again in the morning and once more as he leaves the house of those little demands i shall find it quite convenient to call to-morrow pray don't be distressed i will certainly remind him sir i am mortified to death about them depend upon it they shall be paid i am certain of it now that you've taken the matter into your own hands don't let me keep you from your dinner i'll see you to-morrow your ladyship without fail with this consoling assurance mr badger took his leave the next morning mr lorimer gave strict orders to the servants not to admit a gentleman with a long thin face a white hat and but one decent foot mr badger who was gifted with some faculty resembling a second sight had foreseen this he paid no visit to bond street that day about three o'clock he entered a fashionable tailoring establishment on the corner of wall street and broadway how do you do mr schofield how do you do mr badger what can i do for you to-day nothing thank you but permit me to see what is going on in the world from these fine windows of yours certainly sir Mr. Badger carefully stationed himself in one corner of the large window which looks out upon Broadway. "'I wonder who that fellow is lying in wait for,' said Schofield to one of his clerks. "'Here, William, watch and tell me whom he pounces upon.' A number of Mr. Badger's friends, all persons from whom he had money to collect, he styled his intimate friends, passed by the window on the way to dinner still he kept his post at last two gentlemen of gay exterior and laughing very merrily came into sight one was evidently foreign of at least supposed distinction badger with outstretched hand rushed from his hiding-place just as they came opposite to the door how do you do lorimer glad to see you been looking for you all day introduce me to your friend count morganini is it not happy to make your acquaintance sir 
and Badger held out his enormous palm in preparation of clasping the delicately gloved fingers of the Count. "'Pray excuse me at present, Mr. Badger,' said Lorimer. "'I am particularly engaged.' "'Shan't detain you a minute, my dear fellow. "'Only want you to know when will you settle those accounts of Chester and Co. and Drummers.' i'm so happy to make the count's acquaintance been long in this country sir see you're often in broadway fine women we have here great country this great country the count gave a look which the pencil better than the pen could express and dropping mr lorimer's arm silently bowed to him then to mr badger and sauntered down broadway this is too bad badger exclaimed lorimer i've been trying to get acquainted with that man for a month and have only just succeeded glad you did succeed i attribute my own success to that did you see what a bow he gave me deuce take his bow just when he had promised to ride out with me you've put me out of humour i can't listen to you now no well i'll just walk towards home with you seizing his arm and you shall tell me when i shall call to see you there's no house i like calling at better than yours sweet lady that wife of yours delightful to talk to mr lorimer mutteringly coupled his wife's sweetness with expressions too emphatic for repetition excuse me now i tell you if there's money due from me why don't you sue 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 i tell you you're welcome to sue to-morrow that's not my way of transacting business i sue for money myself till i get it i'm my own lawyer and never lose a cause i shall be late to dinner and i am going to jump into an omnibus good morning i haven't dined myself yet said badger without releasing the captive arm you take dinner en famille i suppose i shouldn't mind taking a cut with you i expect friends well that makes no odds i don't mind strangers i'm hail fellow well met with all my friends friends here comes an omnibus i'll ride up with you mr lorimer gave a look at the omnibus it appeared full leaping on the step and taking his stand in the front door he called out lustily to the driver go on and before mr badger could hobble up to him the omnibus was dashing along at full speed i'll worry you a little for this my fine fellow said he as he turned to retrace his steps i'll make the acquaintance of more of your acquaintances before i've done there's no baffling nat badger a couple of the days after the above incident mrs lorimer was in the parlor with some morning visitors whose carriage stood before the door she felt particularly happy that day her only daughter a young girl in the first bloom of womanhood was sitting in the window trying to comprehend the delightful nothings of a promised young slip of the aristocracy her mother fondly believed he was aspiring to the daughter's hand suddenly the conversation was interrupted by a loud discussion between the waiter and another person at the door 
a well-known voice struck upon mrs lorimer's ear with ill-disguised agitation she rose herself to close the parlor door this was the worst movement she could have made mr badger who was trying to force his way past the waiter caught a glimpse of her figure and rushing up to her exclaimed i'm delighted to see you your ladyship delighted you're looking enchanting mr lorimer at home suppose not but i can wait without noticing mrs lorimer's half-uttered remonstrance or rather interpreting and receiving it as a welcome the gentleman coolly entered the parlour mr badger the lady at length mustered courage and voice to say if you wish to see mr lorimer on business you will be more private in the back parlour if you will do me the favour to step in there thank you thank you your ladyship no consequence in life my business is never private i'm a man too of much taste to be contented in any other room in the house except where the mistress is and mr badger bowed more profoundly than the present fashion of petit maitre attire would permit many to imitate but mr badger don't trouble yourself to apologize i am quite comfortable here dropping himself slowly into a luxurious armchair that's miss lorimer i suppose very like you your ladyship how do you do miss never had the happiness of seeing you before your mother and myself are old acquaintances miss lorimer looked bewildered the gentleman at her side stared and after a few moments feeling himself we presume amidst uncongenial spirits rose and took his leave Mimir, in resigned despair attempted to resume the conversation with her guest you were at young mrs fleecer's soiree last night were you not demanded she before the lady addressed could answer mr badger interposed mrs fleecer what harry fleecer's wife an acquaintance of mine i know how very well strange affair about his father i was just going to make them a visit finest chairs in his house i ever sat upon i shall see if i can't get them settled for to-day great country this great country mrs lorimer hurriedly went on i hear mrs delancey was the belle of the evening beg your pardon your ladyship this time addressing not mrs lorimer but the lady beside him what mrs delancey is that the wife of alfred delancey who beat his first wife to death i've bills against him for more thousands than he likes must be the same his second wife's the handsomest woman in new york great friend of mine just at this minute mr lorimer entered and the visitors rose to take their departure ah lorimer i've caught you at last delightful society you receive i've been enjoying it exceedingly should like nothing better than sitting in your parlor a few hours every day if you're willing drawing up the right corner of his mouth and looking at the afflicted man out of his left eye in a manner peculiarly his own 
mr badger i desire in the future that you will call me at my office i have not been used to this treatment you'll get accustomed to it my dear fellow under my administration i make my calls to suit my own convenience i'm glad to be so well received when people find my visits troublesome they know how to dispense with them i'm a man of business and never call but on business although i take pleasure always at the same time troublesome sir why i never angrily began mr loramy why don't you pay him frank and have done with it whispered mrs loramere tears of mingled passion and mortification rolling down her cheeks permit me to settle my own affairs madam without your interference mrs loramere weeping left the room badger call upon me to-morrow at ten and i promise to pay for these confounded carpets i can't stand this and the china too if possible then good morning don't fail me i shan't fail you you may be sure great country this great country with these words mr badger took his leave but not without first insisting on a hearty handshake of his friend's hand the next morning at ten precisely one of the numerous bills in mr badger's hands against mr lorimer was defrayed this was but a drop in the bucket three or four more visits to the house were made ineffectually the waiter had learnt his ring or discovered his presence through some secret loophole he never gained admittance but as mr badger himself expressed it he was not a man to be baffled he waited a full month for a good opportunity of putting his ingenious designs into execution mrs lorimer issued cards for a party at which she hoped to assemble the elite of the city of course she must have forgotten my invitation argued mr badger to himself no matter i won't stand on ceremony with friends beautiful as martell's and miss whittingham's skill to say nothing of nature's could make her looked mrs lorimer on the evening of the ball she stood in the blaze of light at one end of her splendid drawing-room and the gaily dressed figures that hovered around her in addition to the coronet of diamonds that circled her fair brow gave her the air of a sovereign receiving the homage of her devoted subjects the persons she desired most to see were present kendall's band had arrived weller had surpassed himself in the arrangements of the supper-table her triumph was complete the evening was far advanced most of the guests were assembled an unusually loud ring turned mrs lorimer's expectant glance to the door she would rather at the moment have seen a ghost than the form which arrayed in its usual ultra sunday best presented itself to her view how do you do your ladyship vociferated mr badger the moment he distinguished mrs lorimer 
delighted to see you looking so charmingly. Seizing the lady's hand in his own, he gave it an unusually lusty shake. Miss Lorimere, at that moment, crossed the room. Badger let go of the mother's hand, elbowed his way through the crowd, and, striding up to the fair young lady, loudly accosted her by name. The frightened maiden drew back, repressing a cry of astonishment. The guest rose to survey the stranger whose appearance created such a sensation. Mr. Lorimere, who, from the back parlor, heard that there was some disturbance, little suspecting its nature, now innocently made his appearance. Badger pounced upon his hand the instant it was within his reach. Delighted to see you, my dear fella, delighted. Mr. Lorimere was speechless. With a bewildered look, at last, he drew Badger's arm in his and led him to a more retired part of the next room. Really, Badger, this intrusion is beyond endurance. Not so much beyond endurance as being kept ringing the bell at your street door half an hour every day of a cold winter's morning and then finding the door remain shut. You should keep better servants, my dear fellow. Indeed, you should. But, Mr. Badger, but, my dear friend, if you don't like my company, you know how to get rid of it. I never come to a party to which people have forgotten to send me an invitation unless I carry such an invite as this in my pocket. Positively, you shall have the money if you call at my office tomorrow. That's all I want. Now I'll just stay to get a little refreshment and then be off. For I don't admire late hours myself. Great country, this great country. While this conversation was going on, the whisper of, Who is he? What is he? ran round the rooms in many tones as there are keys to a piano. I shouldn't wonder if he was a constable, said one. Really? What shocking people to visit. I shall drop them after this. I can't imagine who he is, lisp an intellectual-looking young man, who had been evincing some dexterity in keeping out of Badger's sight. It's Badger, the collector, squeaked the cracked voice of a gossiping old maid. I've heard he comes here every day. They say there's not an article in the house paid for. How dreadful! But it's what I suspected. So did I. I always said. The lady would have continued to prove her prognosticating sagacity had not Mrs. Lorimere, at that moment, overhearing the remarks made about her, fallen into violent hysterics. She was carried away out of the room, followed by her husband and daughter. During their absence, most of the guests dispersed. But not until Mr. Badger had recognized all his particular friends, shaken hands with them, and informed them what a great country they lived in. A couple of months after the above occurrence, the following conversation took place between Mr. and Mrs. Lorimere. 
"'I am so happy, Frank,' said the lady, "'that we are going to have the auction to-morrow, "'and that you will really pay those horrid bills, "'and let me live in peace, "'even though we do have to find peace in lodgings.' "'Well, I see very little use in not paying them, "'or living in the style we have been doing "'since every friend worth having has dropped us, "'ever since that unfortunate ball, "'Mrs. Weathercock and Mrs. Grayston and, and Mrs. Delamere "'and all that said have never been near us, "'and Laura's lover, Mr. Florentine, "'never called after that day he met Mr. Badger, did he? "'Never!' "'Well, I will stipulate never to see any of them again. "'If I can only be sure that I have taken my last look of Mr. Badger's face. "'After to-morrow, I may promise you with safety, my dear, "'that he shall never claim further friendship with us. "'And the next time you find me running into any unwarrantable extravagance, "'just whisper in my ear, will you?' Remember your friend, the collector. End of An Inconvenient Acquaintance by Helen Berkeley.